Welcome to Anchors for Life. We're glad that you're here with us. And as we begin in a new year and say goodbye to 2021 and, and, and greet 2022, we uh, would like to start a new series. And uh, it's actually a subject that I think is so important for us to consider. And it's the subject of knowing God. Knowing God. And uh, we might just put over our, our uh, message over the series, knowing, knowing the God that knows you. Knowing the God that knows you. And as we consider this, then I'm reminded of a survey that was done in the University of North Carolina uh, just a few years ago, uh, where they surveyed about 511 uh, devout Christians, uh, and they asked them one particular question, what does God look like? What does God look like? And what an interesting question because the Bible tells us that no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. This is John 1, 18. Extremely important verse on many levels. But we want to just consider this survey. And as they as they surveyed these people, what was interesting uh, about their answers uh, was that their response was not what we might expect. Uh, many have the image of God uh, in their minds, um, that he's this old guy, a really old guy, um, maybe a man of wisdom, maybe he has white hair and, and white beard and, and all sorts of imaginations. Right, that people have of who God is. But, again, the Bible tells us that no one has seen God at any time. And uh, as we consider that, the Bible tells us that God is spirit in John chapter 4. The Bible tells us that, that he is the invisible God in First Timothy chapter 1. And so as we consider this, then, what is God like? We may not know exactly what he looks like, but we can tell from Scripture what he's like. And we go back to this survey for a moment, and, you know, what was so intriguing about this survey is that the people uh, who were asked this question, what is God like, uh, they, for those that were conservative, um, they had this idea that, that God was strong, that... Um, that that he was uh, st uh, steely face, you know. He was maybe a strong jaw, uh, just a strong individual. And for those that were maybe a little bit more liberal, they had this idea that God was soft and, and tender. And and uh, and and for those that were young, they had this idea that God was youthful and full of vigor. And for those that were older, they had this idea that God was was. Uh, an older individual full of wisdom. And what, what that tells us is that every man in their minds, every person surveyed, they created God in their own image. Really, uh, they, they made God to be like them. And as I considered that, I thought of, John, uh, of Matthew chapter 17. In Matthew chapter 17, when Peter, James, and John went up with the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there, uh, the Lord Jesus was transfigured before them. 
uh, meaning that what was on the inside of him came out. The glory that was within him came out. They saw this glory. And um, then it says that while they were there, that Moses and Elijah appeared to them uh, with him, and they were speaking. In Luke 9, it tells us they were speaking of Christ's death. And, and so they were speaking. And Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us make a, a booth, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, in itself, there's nothing really wrong with Peter asking to make a booth. But what was wrong with what Peter said was he had this idea that the Moses and Elijah were on the same level as the Lord Jesus. We might say he did one of two things. Number one, he brought the Lord Jesus down to Moses and Elijah's level. Or number two, he brought them up to the Lord's level. And what we find in that passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 17 is that the Father speaks and this is my beloved son. And, and when they look up, they saw no one save Jesus. The message is clear. It, we need to have our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the son of the Father. And he is the one who declares the Father. And the Lord Jesus could say in John chapter 14, verse 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you really want to know what the Father is like, behold the Son. Be occupied with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, I'm also reminded of a story of a, uh, of a little girl who was at the kitchen table. And, uh, and she was drawing and her mom asked her, well, Honey, what are you drawing? And she says, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she said, well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And she said, they will by the time I'm done. And uh, on, on the one hand, we, we, we laugh at that story. But on the other hand, she had a desire to know what God is like. And I think this is an admirable quality, uh, a, a good pursuit to pursue after uh, knowing God. And to, to know him in an intimate way which only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ said, no man comes to the Father except by me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is the way we learn of what God is like. We behold the Son. But having said that then, um, I think this is so important for us to, to know what God is like, what God the Son is like, what God the Father is like, and uh, when we think of this, A.W. Tozer, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy One, um, he wrote something that, that has stuck with me for years. And he wrote this. He said, what comes into our mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Let me just give that to you again. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And see, we need right thinking about who God is. 
We are created in his image. He's not created in our image. And so we need to look in scripture and to have a right uh, thinking about who God is. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses said, um, Moses was uh, in the wilderness and he went up into the mountain and God spoke to him from that burning bush and, and the bush was burning but it wasn't consumed and God spoke to Moses and as God spoke to Moses, uh, Moses was told to take off your shoes because the ground on which you stand is holy. Now, what made that ground holy? The ground itself probably wasn't holy in itself, but what made that ground holy was the very presence of God. And I think this is one of the first things that we need to see when we consider the, uh, what God is like when we draw near and we want to know what God is like and we want to behold Him, we need to realize that we are on holy ground. We need to realize that God is a holy God. He is the living God and the living God is a holy God. And this is one of the first things Moses had to come to grip with that God is holy. And then when Moses asked, well, when I go to do the people, uh, he says this in, in Exodus chapter 3. He says, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them that the God of our fathers has, has sent me to you, and they say to me, well, what is his name? Now, this is important. And they say, what is his name? The Lord did not reply to Moses. He did not say, I am what you want me to be. I'm what you think I am. I'm what you imagine I am. No. He says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Now, that's, that's very important because that's the name of God as Yahweh. Uh, translated as Jehovah. And what Jehovah means is is he is the God of relationship. He is the covenant-keeping God. He is indeed the self-existing God. I am who I am. And, uh, and I think this is important for us to, to realize as well. Number one, God is holy. And number two, he is a self-existing God. Yes, he's a God that desires to have a relationship with us. And, and uh, he... Uh, in the Old Testament, he is seen as Jehovah. But in the New Testament, he condescended to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came into this world, not to condemn the world, but that through, through him, through the Lord Jesus, we might be saved. That we might know who God is. That we might be able to come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we think of this, there's an excellent book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, and in that book, J.I. Packer writes, the highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which could ever engage our attention of the child of God 
is the name, nature, person, and work, the doings and existence of the great God who he calls Father. That's a tremendous quote. And uh, Packer goes on to say there, there is something exceeding improving to the mind in contemplation of deity. You see, what, what he's reminding us there is that the more occupied with who God is and what the scriptures say God is like, it strengthens us in our own walk and it, 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 it uh, conforms our mind to the word of God. It renews our mind. And this is what we're told to do, to uh, renew our mind, not to be conformed to the world's thinking, but to renew our mind. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, this matter of renewing our mind according to Scripture is setting our mind aright and have the right thinking in every area of life, including what God is like. And so that's the exercise that's before us in this series. And I just want to give us a few things to... Um, in, in closing, I want to give us a few points that we can hang on and, and develop as we go. And number one, right thinking about our God is the way we show Him that we love Him. Let me say that again. Right thinking about our God is the way you and I show Him that we love Him. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And there we can see that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, our thinking. This means that our minds should have the right thinking about God, uh, about who He is and what He's like. This right thinking can only come from the Word of God, can only come from the Bible. We can't uh, come up with what he's like outside of the Word of God. It's the Word of God who reminds us of and teaches us what God is like. So we have to be men and women who get into this book and let this book get into us. We need to spend less time on Facebook. I'm glad you're here, but we need to spend less time on Facebook and more time in his book. C.H. Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, He who thinks about God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods along this narrow globe. I think that's a powerful statement. And then he goes on to say, The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the glory of the Trinity. 
And I think there's a lot to say about that. Right thinking about our God is the way that we show him that we love him. But secondly, right thinking about God helps us to avoid idolatry, idol worship, idol worship in our life. And we say, oh, well, but we live, we live in uh, the, these modern times. We don't worship idols. But yes, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that can be an idol. Anything that takes us away in our heart, in our affection, in our thinking, or in our time. Anything that takes our affections away from the person and work of Christ can be an idol. Uh, in fact, it's interesting to me that in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 5, uh, the first two commandments, uh, idolatry uh, begins in the mind. Idolatry begins in the mind. It is said there that, that uh, idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. Idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. And that's why in those first two commandments in, in Exodus chapter 20, it has to do with our relationship with God. In fact, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship and our walk with, with God. And when we fashion God in our own minds, that's in, and, and it's inconsistent with what the Bible says, that's idolatry. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, there we read, uh, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the condition of mankind. You see, mankind is in the state that we're in today because man had foolish thoughts towards God. They did not glorify him. They did not glorify him. And as a result, they were not thankful and they became futile in their thoughts and in their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the condition and God has revealed himself to us in his written word and through the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The very one who in the beginning was the word. He was with God and he was God. He continued to be what he always was. And we'll look at this a little closer in another one of our sessions. But number three, not only a right thinking about God is the way that we show him that we love him. And secondly, the right thinking about God helps us to avoid idolatry. But thirdly, the right thinking about God strengthens us to walk by faith. It helps us and strengthens us to walk by faith. Uh, we read in Hebrews there that we are reminded uh, that those who are in this uh, so-called heroes of the faith chapter, they all knew God. They walked with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see that they're by faith, by faith, by faith. 
and it has to do with their walk. They had an intimate relationship with him. God had revealed himself to them personally, and they believed God, and they trusted him, and they walked with him. Now, as we consider that then, uh, what often happens to us is that we know a little bit about God, and what we know, uh, we, we isolate uh, because of our circumstances, because of the circumstances we are in. We might know and understand that God is love, but when bad things happen uh, to us or, or, or around us, uh, because we live in a world broken by sin, we might begin to think that God has abandoned us. And, and, and why uh, we, we might begin to wonder uh, why he allowed this or why he allowed that. Why he allowed this accident to happen or, or, or this person that's important to us in our life. Why he allowed them to die. Why didn't God stop this from happening? And it's so easy for us to, eat, to, to isolate certain circumstances or certain characteristics of God because of our circumstances. And we, we isolate, we, put, we, put, uh, we, we try to put God in a box and try to put this characteristic over him and we isolate that characteristic and we don't put all the characteristics of God, all the attributes of God together. And this is why it's so important to have a, a balanced view of who God is. God is not only uh, love, but God is also sovereign in his providential dealings with us. He has a purpose for everything he allows in our lives. So yes, God is love, but he uh, allows things in our lives for a reason. We may not ever understand, but God is sovereign. And when we'll get to that, what that really means in the course of our series together. But um, we call these characteristics of God attributes. And we'll look specifically at some of these, these attributes. An attribute of God is that which is true of him, which he has revealed in his word to us. And there are uh, unshared attributes of God, meaning that they are his and his alone. And they are what we might call shared attributes, uh, meaning that he desires these to be seen in us as well. And I believe that there are probably more attributes than we could ever list or count up for ourselves. But uh, as we think of this, then uh, uh, what we need to understand is that knowing God, knowing God is such a vital and important aspect. And that we need to, as you read through the scriptures, and as you prayerfully read the scriptures, before you open your Bible, you need to pray and say, Lord, help me to see you on the pages of Scripture. This is getting to know this God that we're speaking about in this series. And may the Lord help us to, uh, to have a deep desire to know Him. I remember a brother told me years ago when I asked him, 
how it is that you, you can be a good servant of God. And he told me two things. He said, pray uh, for a love for God's word and a love for God's people. And I would, I, I would expand that to when we pray for a love of God's word, that we have a love and we pray that God would give us a love for him as he is seen in his word. So we're going to stop there for now, and we'll pick this up next time as we come together, and uh, we'll be looking more specifically at the different attributes of God, different characteristics of God that are given to us in Scripture. So until then, may the Lord anchor you, and may he strengthen you today for his glory, and may you be a blessing to those who come in contact.